in your gums with Vinny and Hesse. Yeah! All right, y'all. Here we are. We are back. Uh, this is Flapping Your Gums. Super excited. Like we hit it up uh, last week, we were talking about bringing on our guests. We have our guest here, uh, Bob. So they're, like I said, one on the side. Vinny and Bob, they're, they're in person too, which is kind of cool. Uh, so here they are. So if you guys are going to hop on YouTube, you'll get to see him. The two of them sitting there that he's got some cool stuff in the background. It looks like some maps and stuff that they'll probably end up talking about. Uh, if you're listening, well, just listen or hop over and, and, uh, check it out on YouTube. So, all right. Well, uh, welcome Bob. This is, uh, he lives, I guess what would be right behind Vinny. Correct. You guys share a wall. Is that right? That's or right. a fence or whatever's right there. So, uh, yeah, so Vinny, we talked about last week, bringing on, and uh, Vinny had talked to Bob, and he just kind of got a, a, a cool experience, and so we'll kind of open it up and let you guys kind of just hash it out. Let's see what we got going on. How you doing, Bob? Doing fine today. That's good. Uh, yeah, hash it out. Like, we talked about uh, Bob when we were young, like when we first moved to Utah, it was, he was our first... Uh, PA visit uh, there. He had a little office and and did all of our physicals. He did all of our sports physicals. You did like our mom took you took us to you like every <laughs> for everything. And uh, yeah, he he uh, he was a big part of this community here in Richfield and for a very long time as as a, a PA there and helped out a ton of people. I mean, I think he worked with me on my asthma until I was probably 21 years old. I think that's when he put me on Advair, and I've been on it ever since. Yeah, asthma was one of my favorite diseases since I had it as a kid growing up, so it was close to my heart. And then you got Hesse over here. He's just a specimen of pure <laughs> muscle. and. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't know. About, I don't have asthma, so that's a plus. I don't know about all the other stuff. but Bone structure, height, muscle density. I didn't. But, yeah, but I didn't have that when – Bob would see me, he probably was thinking, what, what is this dude? Well, that's that was a little scrawny beanpole. Is that you guys have changed an enormous amount in that length of time. I haven't. I've gotten older, but you guys were little boys then. Yeah. <laughs> you do that. Yeah, he was yeah. a little beanpole. I was a little, still chubby, but I was short and chubby then. So <laughs> it was, it was less hairy. But one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to Bob is I, I talk to Bob all the time over the fence and stuff like that when I'm out doing yard work or projects and stuff, and he's out there, you know, with his shirt off, getting a nice tan. And uh, I like it. Tan. And uh, but his when even when we were kids and we were going to your office, we'd hear all the stories about you going to Germany and and flying and stuff. And I feel like you're a very interesting person. And so we came up with some few questions. Um, and I just kind of wanted to start. I just want to start from the beginning. Uh, usually my brother and I, we talk about like what we did last week. I know what you did last week. Since you're retired, you did nothing. So <laughs> I work harder now than I did when I was working. <laughs> so like Sean and I came up with some questions here. And we were just like, I didn't know um, when we were kids and you talked about Germany. So I thought you were born in Germany. Um, but like you, I found out just the other day you weren't. No, a lot. That's a common misconception. A lot of people here think that I'm born in Germany. No, I was born in Queens, New York. 
and that was in 1941. 1941. I know, right? Wasn't that like the Depression? No, that was that was World uh, War. It was it was World War Two, and uh, in those days, I was saying earlier, everything was black and white. There was no color, anything, and everybody smoked. Oh wow! I mean, you look at an old movie that was made in the forties. There's not a person that doesn't have a cigarette in his hand, and of course, all the films were black and white. There were no color films. Did you feel back like then it wasn't even a thing, huh? You could just I mean, you could smoke anywhere. Oh, yeah. I used to go down when I was little, like seven years old. I used to go down to the store and buy my mother's cigarettes for her because my mother couldn't make it down to the store. She had congestive heart failure. And uh, so I would do all the shopping. She'd give me a note and the money, and I'd go down to the store and get a cigarette <laughs> for the most reason. Seriously. Back home Dude, just it. write a write a note to buy my smokes. That's wild, yeah. man. And now, can you imagine now if you send a little kid for smokes, they'd go crazy. Oh, I man. think in Sevier County, I remember, I think when Sean was, what were you, 14? They dressed you up in my clothes. They told these kids, the cops, the cops got some kids gathered up. They were like, we're going to put you in your brother's clothes, or your sister's clothes, like older stuff try to go in and buy cigarettes or, or stuff from the store. I don't remember if you did it or not. I know you might have had some friends that did it, Sean, but yeah, they, I don't they, they, they I remember it, but I don't think I they were trying to where they were trying to make snitches, huh? Yeah. They took uh -huh. the kids in there and they'd like, Oh, can I get a pack of smokes? But all they were doing was wearing older clothes that just bigger and baggier. But yeah, now you can't they have to scan your ID and all that kind of stuff yeah. if you're buying any of that. So yeah, I mean that's that's a lot. That's a, that's 80 years of change right there. So, and that was, was that, you were still in, you, that was in Queens, you said? That was in Queens, yeah. I grew that's up when in a you were... town called Rosedale, Queens, and it sat right on the county line between Queens and Nassau County. So, three blocks east of where I lived was no longer New York City, it was Nassau County. Okay. And New York City has five counties or boroughs. Wow. Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, Staten Island. And, uh, so, uh, and during that time, you like no cars, you guys just walked around everywhere? Well, for most of my childhood, we didn't have a car. I do remember my far, father having, when I got a little bit older, having an old 34 Chevy with the running boards and all that. And, uh, but most of the time we took the bus. In fact, I can remember going shopping with my mother and grandmother into Jamaica, uh, and it was like a half an hour on the bus, and we'd go, into, go shopping in Jamaica. To the, we always had to go every Friday to the pork store to get pork products for my grandparents and uh, pig's foot for my grandfather. He had to have his pig's foot every week. <laughs> and, uh, and we'd pull the groceries oh, back home on the bus. I mean, what, uh, do you remember, I don't know if you remember, the, how much was it for the bus? I honestly don't remember. It seems to me it was like a nickel on the bus, okay. five cents on the bus in the old days. And then it went up really high, went up to 15 cents. Five cents. <laughs> really high, dude. I mean, that's three times <laughs> yeah, the amount for 15 cents. Yeah. And then when you, were your parents from Queens or were they both from Germany? 
No, my, both my parents were from Queens, but they were from the other side of Queens. Queens is a pretty big borough, and I lived on the very east side, right by Nassau County, and they lived on the extreme northwest end in a town called Astoria. And it was basically almost, almost all Germans. The Steinway Piano Company was there in Astoria. And so it brought a lot of Germans in to work with the piano company. The okay. piano. Uh, so they, both of them were from there. They didn't know each other growing up, but uh, they were both from Astoria. But they were German descent, though. Oh, yes, yes. My, grandpa my mother's parents were both born in Germany. Okay. And immigrated to the United States separately. They knew each other as little children in Germany and then met again in the United States. My, when my grandmother came over when she was 20, she got a job working as a, a maid for a wealthy German family in upstate New York. And the only people she knew in the United States were my grandparents. Okay. My grandfather and his parents. So she got together with them and they ended up getting married. So the your grandparents are the ones that were, or her grandparents are the ones that came over, and then, but your dad was born in Queens. My dad was born in Queens, and his parents were both born in Queens. Oh, okay. But their parents were from Germany. So they'd been there just a little bit longer. Yeah. And then you grew up in that same borough? Or? Yeah, I spent the first part of my life before I went in the army in the borough of Queens, yeah. Now, the other Wait, day did, you say that, did you say that the... Your, so your grandmother's parents knew each other in Germany? Yes, they grew up, they were born in the same town. It's called Albendorf, Schlesien. And they grew up there, and then when my grandfather was six, his parents moved to the United States and brought him with them. So he's, my grandfather was in the United States since he was six. My grandmother went over to the United States when she was 20. The families knew each other from Germany, and, and then they, so they remet in the U.S. and then got married. Yeah. Oh, that's rad. Actually, there's more to the story than that if you want to hear it. They uh, they got together in, in New York, and my grandmother decided to go back home to Germany, and she stayed with my grandfather's family for a while before she went back. And when she got back to Germany, she got a little surprised. She was pregnant. Oh. So, oh. Uh, and you know, it wasn't like today where you hop on the jet and tomorrow morning you'd be in Germany. Uh, it was weeks on the boat to get back and forth. So she stayed in Germany and gave birth to my oldest my, uh, uncle in Germany and then came back to the United States with the baby and married my grandfather. Oh, there you go. That makes it yeah. 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 Dude, that's wild. Weeks that, that, that just seems. Yeah. yeah, it does. I mean, now you get anywhere so fast. I mean, yeah. I've flown to China in a day. If I'm doing weeks on a boat, I'm doing a cruise and it better have buffets and yeah. <laughs> got to have all that food. Well, the first two boat trips I took were courtesy of the Army. And it was two weeks over and two weeks back when I went to Germany, when I was. Uh, Stationed over in Germany, they sent me over in the two weeks in the North Atlantic in March. Stormy seas, freezing cold, rain, and that ship was just up and down, 
up and down for two solid weeks. And the food wasn't great either. <laughs> I think that's still the same today. Yeah. Does, uh, like, a lot of people getting sick on the, that boat when it's rough yeah. like that? Yeah, they were. And coming back with work, worse, I get back two years later to the United States. Again, on a boat, they weren't flying the troops in those days. And uh, I, when I got to Bremerhaven, which is where the ship was in Germany, they pulled a bunch of us out. They wanted us to work in the kitchen doing KP, which is not a good thing. I mean, the washing dishes and clean, cleaning potatoes. So uh, they said, they asked, have any, any, we, we're short of a couple of hooks. Any of you guys cooks in the military? I put my hand right up, pick me. So I spent two weeks in the kitchen cooking. I never cooked in the military at all. I, I worked on heavy equipment. You just didn't want to do dishes. I just didn't want to do dishes. And yeah. my thinking as, you know, I was just a young kid at the time. My thinking was, hell, I can cook better than any of these military cooks can. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I. Uh, work out? You cook pretty good. It worked good? out quite, yeah. I've been cooking See? all my life. I used to, when when, my older brother and the family got, would get together on Thanksgiving, they would be, when we were older and had television, they'd be watching football games on Thanksgiving. Right. I'd be out in the kitchen with the women cooking. Hey, it's all I good. Just, I like to cook. I still do. To this day, I cook most of the that's really good. I mean, um, I try to cook. I just like going and hanging out. And, you know, like when we do Thanksgiving, we, we help mom out in the kitchen mostly. We end up on KP duty at the end. Yeah. I yeah. think we're, we're doing We don't do the – Vinny don't, do, don't do shit. That's what I, you meant to say. I, no, I do dishes. <laughs> I do the dishes afterwards. We I don't do. Usually, usually Vinny and I do get uh, – but which I'm fine with. I'm fine with uh, – I'll stay out of the kitchen while all that prepping's going on and all that all that stuff, and then once it's all done and the and the dust settles, then Vinny and I'll come in and we do we do the mop up crew. Mop up, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kevin gets in there. We kind of get a little chain going. You know, we get wash, rinse, dry. You know, put away. So, oh, yeah. so we try to help out that way and 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 do that kind of stuff. So um, Bob, uh, you said you got into the. Uh, into the uh, Navy, is that correct? No, the Army. Army. What? How old were you when you uh, when you did that? When well, you joined? I actually signed up when I was only sixteen, but they won't allow you to start until you're seventeen. You have to be seventeen to start in the military. So I was all signed up, had all the papers signed. Of course, I had to have my parents sign because I was too young to sign for myself. And then I had to wait until my seventeenth birthday. So on my 17th birthday, I went, took the train into New York City and swore me in and went off the basic training on my, on my birthday. Wow. On your birthday? On your birthday. January 27th of uh, 1958, I went to the Army. And so when you signed up for the Army, what was there a war going on? No. What was no. going on was the Cold War. In Europe, and that's where I ended up. Where okay. We at. I I don't know if you're familiar with it, but after World War II, uh, 
course, the Germans lost the war, so they divided Germany up amongst the Russians, the Americans, French, and British. And, of course, I was in the American zone. Uh, the Russians had the big part of the division. They had the entire east part of Germany. And they were sitting on the east zone aiming their missiles at us. And we were in the west aiming ours at them. British and the French and the Americans were. And that's where the, the whole thing came with the, the Berlin Wall and all that. I mean, it was a divided country and we couldn't go into the East. They weren't supposed to come into the West. <clears throat> and I was wow. in one of the only missile outfits at that time. We, did, You know, it's not like now where they've got missiles all over the place. I was in a, a Redstone missile outfit and the Redstone missile was developed by the German scientist uh, von Braun. Werner von Braun, they captured at the end of the war, brought him to the United States, and he developed the Redstone missile, which was essentially the old German V2 with USA on the side. So we, we captured him, brought him back, and made him work? Uh, they didn't exactly make him work. What happened is at the end of the war, the German scientists, most of them, did not want to go to Russia. They were afraid of the mm. Russians. So they literally ran toward the American lines with their hands up, take me, capture me. Yeah. Oh, wow. Except yeah. Werner von Braun couldn't do that because he had a broken arm, so he was only raising one arm up. <laughs> <laughs> but he was glad to get here. I mean, they were really afraid because the Russians were not nice to the captured Germans. Yeah. But then that missile that you said it was a, you were telling me the other day when we were talking about it, it was a, was it a hydrogen missile? The, the, the missile that I worked with was the Redstone. And most of our uh, listeners have no idea what a okay. Redstone is. Well, yeah, they're, they're kind of obsolete. Uh, nowadays, most of the missiles are solid fuel, but you still see liquid fueled missiles on some of these launches for the space station. Well, it, that steaming off the side of the missile is the liquid oxygen. Oh, okay. It's gassed up. But they, they fuel them, uh, at that time, they fueled the missile with alcohol, which is a ter terrible waste of alcohol, I think. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Seems that way. Why fire a missile with it? But anyway, they had it fired with alcohol and, and liquid oxygen, and then they used uh, hydrogen peroxide to get the reaction started, to get the pumps going, to pump the fuel into the engines. So uh, it was a pretty complex project, project, and we were supposed to be a mobile unit. We were supposed to be able to fire this missile anywhere in the German forests at the Russians. Well, that sounds fine and dandy, but you've got a great big missile, tanks of uh, uh, liquid oxygen, tanks of alcohol, I mean, they could have knocked it out with a BB gun. It, uh, it was pretty, it wasn't right now. Now it's all in one unit. They set it up, push the button, boom, off goes the missile. But you guys had to mix it. You guys had we, to, like, we had to load, they had to fuel. I didn't do that, but they had to fuel up the missile with oxygen, with oxygen and, and with alcohol. And the whole you take thing. the, what kind of alcohol was it? Just grain like, alcohol. Just like, like a whiskey? It, well, or like a vodka? I, 
something like like a 151 with high heat. It'd be a lot like a uh, yeah, uh, high octane vodka. Yeah, it'd be be like be be like it'd be like some moonshine. I wonder if then did anybody drink it. I am sure some of them did because we had some crazy people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some of this happened in the military. You wouldn't believe. Oh yeah, they will bet they got crazier after drinking some of that fire water. I can't see. I'm blind. It's like, well, stop drinking the moonshine. Stop drinking that fire water. It wouldn't surprise me at all if people tried to drink it. I mean, they did some some crazy stuff. And so then you you got into the army, and then uh, were you a a pilot in the army? No, no, I I didn't start flying until after. I took my military benefits they get the, the what they used to call the gi bill where when mm-hmm. you are finished with your tour with the military you're allowed certain educational benefits that the military pays for so that allowed me to become a pilot so you use the benefits. and how long were you in the army uh three years okay okay two of the three years i was over in germany and the first year i was in the united states i was in uh uh Fort Dix, New Jersey, and then Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and then uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And then from Oklahoma, they shipped us over to Germany for two years. And when you were in that army, in that part of it, you were under uh, an engineer? It's kind of where they put you as your, I, I, I was your an, job? Yeah, I was in an engineering company. The, the, the army, or the military in general, have different things. Some of them were infantry and oh, okay. basically okay. out there with a gun marching around. I was in the Corps of Engineers and what I did is I worked on the equipment that's used to make the liquid oxygen. And these were mobile units. They were on a big 65-foot trailer which we had to haul around into the forest with us and produce liquid oxygen on site for the missile. Uh, and I worked on that equipment. For three years, hmm. then you came back to Queens. I came back to the United States, came back to Queens, and I started, believe it or not, I started at New York Life Insurance Company uh, as a computer operator. In the early days when the computers had punch cards. Okay. And it was the old IBM computers. And I did that for a short time, and I was bored silly. And I wanted to get an airline job because... My wife at the time was from Germany, and she wanted to be able to go home and visit her family. And anyway, I finally left that job and was looked for an airline job and started out in the airline business as a cleaner, cleaning airplanes. So I would empty the toilets and clean the carpets and clean the windows. Okay. And and that still got you the benefits for your wife to be able to fly? Well, yeah, as long as you work for an airline, it doesn't matter what you do, you get airline. And did you meet your wife in Queens? No, I met my wife while I was stationed in Germany. Oh, nice. Yeah, and brought her over. Uh, in fact, up until the time that my second son was born, she spoke virtually no English at all. We always spoke with German. And did you learn German in the Army, or did you already know it when well, you were living in Queens before? A little bit of both. My, we lived in my grandfather's house. My grandparents were German. In fact, my neighborhood was in either, they were all German, Irish, Catholics where I grew up. So 
most of the people that came to our house spoke German. So I heard it a lot as a kid. I don't remember speaking it as a kid, but I, I heard it quite, quite a bit. And uh, when I went to Germany and met my wife, she spoke no English, and it just started coming to me. It was very, very simple. And the next thing you know, in a couple of months, I was speaking German uh, really well. And when we came back to the United States, she still had, didn't speak any any English, and uh, when my oldest son was born, she couldn't speak a word of English. And then, fortunately, she was in the hospital with, a, a, and the room she shared was with a Jewish lady, and the Jewish people in the United States and parts of Europe speak Yiddish, which is a German dialect. So she could communicate through this Jewish lady while she was in the hospital giving birth. And then, Two years later, my next son was born, and she spoke some English, but not really fluently, just a little bit. And there's kind of a funny story about that. But we, at that time, we lived in a town called Lake Luzerne, which is in upstate New York, the Adirondacks. And I got this, as we all have this mountain man instinct, I wanted to live out in the woods make my living trapping and all that stuff, which I my system. Uh, How long did you do the trapping for? I was up there for a while. Sean does some trapping. I've never done trapping, but he's done a little bit of trapping with a buddy of his. I started out trapping when I was 12 years old in Queens, and I used to trap right around what's now J, uh, JFK or Kennedy Airport. It used to be called Idlewild Airport. It's on landfill in the middle of a swamp. And I used to trap muskrats there with my guy that ended up being my brother-in-law. That's how I started out trapping. And then I read a book called Wilderness Trapper by a guy named E.J. Daly. And I was hooked. I was, I, I was going to be a trapper. Oh, as yeah. We, as we you just go do. out there and just come back in with a, you're wearing flannel and you got an eight inch beard, huh? Right after yeah. you go set a line. Well, when you just I. Just become a man. <laughs> well, at that time, I, was, I couldn't even grow a beard. <laughs> 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 Dude, but that's what I'm saying. After you go set a line on trapping, you come back a man. Yeah. So, man. Uh, that's what, so is that, that's what you did then growing up. Because if I feel like you, you didn't have a lot of time to grow up because at 16, you were signed up for the Army already. You know what I mean? So, like, so is that what you just you just ran around? I guess it's probably not near as packed as it is now. But so what else did you trap? Uh, did you get paid? When I got up to Lake Luzerne, they had all kinds of animals. And where I was in Queens, muskrats were usually a thing. You catch a possum once a what did you do with them? Skinned them and sold pelts. In fact, there was okay. a time when my brother-in-law and I packed up all our pelts. We dry them on racks, the muskrat pelt, and we took them on the bus and subway oh. into Manhattan to the fur district. Where only, uh, the fur district is basically controlled by Jewish people. And uh, we took it around from one fur district fur dealer to another in a cardboard box and bartered with these Jewish men for the price of the pet. 
Oh my god, that's so... Awesome. Just cruising around with a box of pills. Well, maybe... So you're 12 years old, riding the subway in Manhattan, going, Hey, sir, how many of these would you like to buy? Oh, yeah, we don't know. So how much we give her? What, what, what will you pay us for an extra large prime pet? <laughs> I'm sure these guys were laughing under their breath. Were they buying them? They bought them, yeah, we sold them all. Uh, we'd sell, you know, get a good price, and then we'd sell the whole box. But we did that with the with the pelts. That's how we got rid of the pelts, because there were no fur dealers in New York City other than in Manhattan. The fur fur was clothing. Dealer. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, that's we uh, yeah. we do uh, yeah, we try to catch. I mean, I used to. So I'll go out coyote hunting, and then we'll do a we'll set a line. We'll go out in the morning, like we'll head out to go hunt for the weekend. So we run up, get loaded up, then we go set a line and then leave it there for the weekend. Then we'll come back and check it. And it's usually we're going for, in this case, you, where we're going, it's like you go for coyotes and bobcats. Bobcat, yeah, bobcats. So bobcats in Nevada, bobcats in Nevada go for like some of the most highest prices on fur because they're super white because right. of the terrain that they're in. Mm -hmm. And so everybody really likes uh, bobcats. There's, they go for, when the market's up, uh, coyotes usually go from anywhere from 25 to 75 bucks a pelt. And I'll do the same thing, skin them out, flesh them, dry them. And then, but there's bobcats when the, when the, when the stock, basically kind of like stock market. It's like when China and Russia are involved, you know, mm -hmm. or whoever, when there's two countries that are, fur selling the money the price goes up so they've had cats i've had buddies that have uh gotten bobcats that were over 800 dollars a pelt wow yeah if and they're beautiful for the bounty we got 25 dollars for bobcat 25 for coyote three dollars for fox and 50 cents for uh oh porcupine tails oh Okay. They, they had a fifty cent bounty on porcupines. You had to turn the tail in to the. So if I'd see a roadkill roadkill porcupine, <laughs> I was so poor I'd get out of the car and chop his tail off. So they <laughs> do here in in Sevier County. They do five dollars for a raccoon tail. Wow, really? See, when I first came to Utah, it seemed like there weren't many raccoons at all. There are a lot of them now. So all of these pa porcupines and all that money that the prices that was all in New York. That was in upstate New York. They, they had, had bounty on them. Yeah, they had a bounty on them. I wonder what the bounty is now. They do. They probably won't even let you trap up there anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you can still trap. It was. It's a. There are two wilderness areas in New York: the Adirondacks and the Catskills. And the, the Adirondacks is supposed to be forever wilderness. So there are no. In the part where I was, uh, once you got off the paved road. You didn't cross another road. There'd be some logging trails and stuff, but there was there were no roads. So, so is it? It's it's public, public land still to yep. this day. Yep. Oh yeah, so you could probably New go York up there. Is an amazing state. They have beautiful yeah. lakes and a lot of mountains. And you know, people say, well, you know, mountains aren't high in New York. You have to look at it this way. Our mountains, ten, eleven thousand feet. But we're sitting at 5,300 feet here. Yeah. yeah. So there's not that much of a difference. New York State, the highest mountain in New York State is Mount Marcy up in the Adirondacks. 
and it's 5,300 feet high, but you're starting from sea level. Yeah. All right, so it's not the same. So five to five. Effectively, five to they five. look as big as these now. Yeah, the number's not very high, but they look yeah, they, visually. They're they just as big, big. yeah. Yeah, Hesse's got some still waters up there where he's at. I don't know what the altitude on that is. Uh, well, there's a couple different different ones, but yeah, the still waters, if you get up around the other side, they got like the Clan Alpines that get up pretty tall. There's like a Pilot Peak, which is in Mina, out, just outside of Mina. I think it gets up right around, I want to say it's close to 10,000 feet. It's like yeah. nine, eight or something like that. So all your alti- or your elevations and stuff like that are similar to ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we have Tahoe and stuff too, but you, you're kind of traveling up to get up to there, anyways. So you've been, Bob. You've been to Tahoe. Oh yes, beautiful. Lake Tahoe. Yeah. I have two children that live in California. My oldest and my youngest live in California. My daughter goes up to Tahoe quite a bit. It's crazy because people travel from all over to go to it, and I, I probably only went one time this year. Really? Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's kind of the same for us here. I mean, for me anyway. I mean, we've got Bryce Canyon, Zion's Canyon. We've got all these, you know, tons of people come to Utah to see the, you know, the national forests and all the parks and stuff. And I hardly ever go. I don't go. Yeah, that's that's pretty normal. You don't go in your own backyard. Well, when right. I met my wife, my wife from Kanab and, uh, and that's your second had, wife my second wife yeah. and she the one that my current wife, current wife current sorry. wife <laughs> anyway he's a Utah and he's got two wives just like me yeah that's the way in Utah <laughs> yeah and that's a story you could tell how I met her we'll talk about that later uh but anyway, they, uh, she had she grew up in Kanab. She was born in Logan and grew up in Kanab. And uh, she had never been to Bryce Canyon, never been to Yellowstone. Didn't you travel? So I've never been she, to Yellowstone. Haven't you? No. Say since she yeah, married, yeah, have, you've never been there either? I've never been to Yellowstone, no. I, I like the show. Yeah, the only, the only <laughs> problem. In, it's in Montana. It would have been, you know, it was nice when, when I went, first went there. But too many people. All these parks are so overcrowded now, it's not fun anymore. It's like going to the Grand Canyon. It's busloads of people. That's not how I picture it. But anyway, since we got married, my wife and I, she, I've had her travel all over the world. She's been everywhere. But uh, she hadn't traveled much at all before she I think I agree on that too, Bob. Like the, I'd rather just go out my, you know, head up the Stillwaters on my own, like because there's nobody up there. It don't. I mean, it's not going to be as like, oh, you're at Yellowstone or the Grand Canyon, but like I said, there's no people. Right. Right. But you're going to see know. a lot of like we see a lot of the same stuff. Just like when you and I went elk hunting, you know, we saw yeah. elk and and you know we saw wildlife. We saw that coyote. We saw tons of wildlife in our backyard. Instead of, I mean, on my route. So, but I feel like when you go, when you go to like those places, like you don't see none of that because all you see is people, you know, except for Yellowstone, but then you can just watch stupid people try to go up and pet (laughs) wild animals, which is always, that's got to be something to watch. (laughs) Used to be, I started camping with my parents when I was a kid 
we'd go camping. Sometimes we wouldn't see anybody else. Or we might have one other camper down the ways. Now it's like a damn zoo. You might as well stay home. There were yeah. kids motorbikes racing through the campgrounds and people backing in big trailers. And, you know, if you want all the luxuries of home, stay home. Yeah, I agree. In a tent. Now the only people that camp in tents are homeless. That's what it is, dude. Uh, yeah, it's glamping now. Yes, yeah, glamping. Yeah. Glamping. Yeah. Yep. My brother and I used to, that's when we lived in Queens, when we were kids, uh, we used to go a couple times a year uh, on, on hikes. And, of course, you know, you don't go on a hike in Queens. You've got to go upstate somewhere. So we would go to Bear Mountain State Park, and the Appalachian Trail cuts across Bear Mountain State Park. And, of course, it goes all the way from Maine to Georgia. It's a pretty famous trail. Uh, it crosses the Hudson River at a place called Anthony's Nose into Bear Mountain State Park, and it goes across the park. So for he and I to go camping, number one, you didn't have dehydrated food in those days. There was none. Uh, didn't have these fancy backpacks. Just had a regular rucksack. And we would get on the bus in Rosedale, where we lived, take it into Manhattan, get off the bus, walk for a few blocks over to the Hudson River, get on a boat called the Hudson River Dayline, take it upriver for three hours, I figured half an hour on the bus, an hour on the subway going across the Manhattan. With your camping gear. With your camping gear. Oh my God. And then we'd get off in Bear Mountain and start hiking, and we we couldn't afford tents in the first place. It was too heavy to carry a tent. They weren't like they are now. They were canvas. So we would go without any tent. We'd usually just do a blanket roll, is all we'd have. And uh, we'd hike the trail shelters along the Appalachian Trail. A trail trail shelter? Yeah, they had trail shelters that were built, I think, back in the 30s when they had this WPA project where they had gave unemployed men jobs to build things and do things for the country and they built these and they were built out of native rock and they had a corrugated metal roof on them usually had at least one fireplace in them and an open front they were so it was a man-made cave yeah it was like three-sided and they were usually up on top of a mountain someplace and we used to hike from one trail shelter to the other so when uh, what season did you do that in summer Summertime. Yeah, much snow in the wintertime. Yeah. So then did you, uh, so wood, what, you just like, you did, I mean, it was already cut up or you just yeah, drug some uh, logs over get, there? No, we just pick up deadfall and stuff. And there was always branches and stuff that we could make a fire with. Yeah, no, nobody, nobody cut the wood and left it for us. What were you, uh, what did you take for food? Being you didn't have, like, you don't have the ready meals and the dry foods and canned food and i hate to say it spam <laughs> dude vinny will love that did you have some uh beanie weenie or what are they called the only stuff that we would be in cans that wouldn't go bad because it was summertime. Oh, i feel like we the vienna sausage is bad as soon as you open it dude vinny was smashing on a vienna sausage when we were up hunting elk and it's got like this 
just all gel oh, on the end of it, dude, and he's just eating it away. Oh, what? Dude, it's nasty. Cannon got after it too. Cannon ate his oh, yeah. first. Oh, I could do it. Bust his open and eat his. I'd rather so, yeah. do spam. I I can't believe that I ate spam. I mean, I wouldn't eat it now if I I'd have to be starved. Our dad eats spam. Dad still eats spam to this day. Dude, no I'd have to be starving spam. to eat Vienna sausages, but Vinny just gets after them. Dude. He loves them. Oh, man. There's a lot to watch. They're salty. Some, They're good. Some things you just can't unsee, and that's one of them. Well, I used to love liverwurst. That was my favorite thing. Liverwurst on rye bread with mustard was my favorite when I was growing up as young person. I used to do Braunschweiger. Oh, Braunschweiger liver, so it smears the Braunschweiger yeah. smears. So is it the same thing? It's, it's just it's liverwurst. So yeah, Braunschweiger liverwurst is, is made a little thinner so you can spread it on like peanut butter and yeah. bread. And they actually have liverwurst that they slice like bologna and you can put the slices on. Uh, but then they up in Salt Lake City, up at Siegfried's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Siegfried's Deli up there, but no. it's a German deli. There were two German delis when we came to Utah, uh, Siegfried's and Mariani's, and they, one was on 2nd South and the other one was on 3rd South, I think. But anyway, uh, we had a friend that worked for Siegfried. In fact, my ex-wife, my first wife, worked uh, at Siegfried's for a while, and I went in the back. They make their own sausage. They have their own smokehouse. And this woman was a butcher from uh, from Europe, from the Czech Republic. And I watched her make liverwurst, and I have never eaten it since. <laughs> it is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> and I love, you know, I love sausage, and I, I wouldn't want to see it made. It's not pretty. No, some things, that's, that's it right there. Some things are better left. She just ruined it. Just by my knowing. kids do that to me all the time. They're like, do you know what hot dogs are made out of? I'm like, no, and I don't want to. No, yeah, you don't everything. No. Made out of a and little over, bit of everything. Over in Germany, they're big on sausage. They're like brats and stuff over there, huh? Like yeah. the big old ones. The real bratwurst over there are really, really good. This stuff they sell here that they call bratwurst is not that great. Though. No. Really? Well, that over there is probably real, too. It's probably legit. So you did the, you came back from the army, you did some trapping as well, a it's, Yeah. And then the air, he, we were on the air. I think we kind of got off on that a little bit. We got, got on a little tangent. So you were cleaning. Airport. Yeah. He was yeah. cleaning planes. You weren't a pilot yet. No, I was cleaning uh, planes for Eastern Airlines. Was They've gone bankrupt. What happened is they, they had a big strike. I got laid off and never got called back. They went bankrupt. That was the end of these. That's the period when I went up trapping up at Adirondacks when, when I got laid off. So you're like 20 years old at that time? Yep. Yeah, I was exactly 20 when I got out of the military. So... Anyway, I trapped for about two years, I guess, up there in Lake Luzerne, and I was starving. I mean, I'll t tell you how bad it was. My son that lives here in Richfield, who just turned 60, when he was born, I went up to the hospital in Glens Falls to pick my wife up, pick the baby up, and the lady in the business office calls me in. Mr. Nentwich, 
you owe us $600. You can't take your baby home until you pay. Wow. And I, I said, well, guess you're going to have to keep the baby. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh. Guess he's staying, no. huh? <laughs> That's how poor I was. I mean, you know, if you're that poor that you're cutting the tails off of animals for 50 cents. On the side poor. of the road, huh? Uh, well, that's crazy. Like, well, first, what, what sticks out that too is it was six hundred bucks to have a baby. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you can't yeah, you can't even walk into a you can't even walk into a hospital uh, now under six hundred bucks. Six hundred. <laughs> now things have changed a lot. But uh, anyway, so then I, what happened? How I got back to to the city is I came home. We were living in Lake Luzerne. By this time, I had uh, two children, two boys, and uh, I went back down to the city on the bus because I, the car I was driving wouldn't make it to the city. I was driving an old 51 Ford with the, had it, that had been in a, an accident. The whole side was caved in. And I had the doors tied shut with a rope because they wouldn't stay shut. <laughs> It was no a 51 smart. Ford car? A Ford car, yeah. Car? Uh, okay. Because Kevin's got a 51 Ford truck. Oh, yeah. Oh, did. Yeah, yeah, our little I, brother has a 51 uh, truck. Yeah, yeah this was a car. It was a blue, light blue color. But so you had, had doors the, all tied up? The doors, doors were tied up. It had no starter, so I had to park it on a hill, run it down the hill, jump in, put it in second, <laughs> pop the clutch to get it going. Uh I didn't have the money to get it fixed. <laughs> Just that was all I could afford. So yeah, been there, done that. Yeah. So anyway, it's good to be poor, though. It is really good because then you appreciate what you have when you really when you make it. Amen yeah. to that. Yeah, if for you sure. You're definitely blessed. But anyway, so I went down for Thanksgiving to, my, to visit my parents in in Queens in Roseville, where I grew up, and my friend and kid who grew up next to me came over to visit me and we got talking and I said he was working for an airline called Trans-Caribbean and I said Jack I'd do anything to get back here and get a job with an airline I said I'm starving up there and I I you know I'd really like an airline job he, he said hey they're looking for a cruise scheduler at Trans-Caribbean what the hell is a cruise schedule? I never even heard the term. So he said, you could do it. I said, how can I do it? I don't even know what it is. He explained to me about scheduling flight crews and all. And he said, you could do it. He said, just tell them you did it in the Army. They won't know. So I went in for an interview to the airline for an interview with the, uh, the chief, the head of the department. I didn't even have any good clothes. I had a flannel shirt. There's your flannel shirt, Hesse. There's a flannel shirt because you'd be wearing it trapping. Wearing it trapping. I didn't have anything. Anyway, I went in and got this job interview, and I, you know, you hate to lie, but I was desperate. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I scheduled in the military. (laughs) They hired me just on the interview. Fortunately, I interviewed pretty well. That's good. But uh, they hired me in, in the department, and... Within three months, I was in charge of the department. They, I met, they 
made me the manager. So you went from the bottom to the top in three months. In three months. Oh, the guy that hired me, who was the head of the department, who did the interview, yeah. got promoted to assistant operations manager. So there was a vacancy there. And even though the, all the other guys had been there a lot longer than I had, they chose me to run the department. So by doing that, I was working with the chief pilot. And I, uh, one of the guys in the department was taking flying lessons and learning to become a pilot. And I was kind of looking over his shoulder when he was studying. I could do that. I know I could do that. And he turned around to me, and he was a very arrogant kid. He said, you, know, you couldn't do this. There's no use you even looking at me. Boy, that's all you have to do is tell me I can't do it. <laughs> I'm do it. So it's on I, now, huh? I had no money. I mean, I was as broke as could be. And I finally... Uh, managed to get some money, get a loan, and start learning how to fly. And I can still remember my first flying lesson. It was a, a, one of the pilots from Trans-Caribbean who was trying to build up flight time, and he was a flight instructor. He said, hey, Bob, if you rent the airplane, I'll give you free flight instruction. He said the magic free word. So uh, anyway, I went up with him, and I can still remember it. He, he did the takeoff, and we got up to couple thousand feet and he just put your hands on the controls. He said, okay, you got, he let go. I thought the damn airplane was going to drop out of the sky. <laughs> I had never flown before. And uh, anyway, he taught me all the bases. He basically taught me how to fly for free. And uh, then I started using my veterans benefits and they paid for everything military paid for everything. So I got a commercial pilot's license, instrument rating, multi-engine rating, and a flight engineer's license, all paid for by the government, 100%. Can't beat a deal like that. No, that's no, perfect. That's awesome. Perfect. That's like putting it to you know, good use, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I could never afford to do that. One. So uh, anyway, I got my licenses, and then the next time they hired a class of pilots, uh, in those days, you had to have a pilot's license, as I said, commercial, an instrument, a multi-engine. You also had to have either a navigator's license or a flight engineer's license, so they wouldn't even talk to you. Because in those days, all the airplanes had uh, flight engineers on them. Very few that are left. One of them I can think of is like Air Force One has got a flight engineer. The big 747s have uh, and some of the third world airlines that fly 727, 707. So that's where you have you have your pilot, your co-pilot, and the guy that sits in the back is the... The, the guy that sits sideways behind the co-pilot <clears throat> or the right seat right. is the flight engineer. And their systems were so... They had such massive systems. They needed a third guy, and he had to be a pilot as well. So then you'd switch off with the guy in the right seat flying the airplane. But... Uh, now it's all computerized. I mean, I was in the cockpit of, a, of, a, of an airplane a couple of years ago. I had a woman captain, and I got chatting with her. She invited me up to, to take a look around. And I said, there's no way in the world I could fly this thing. It's like a computer game. It's got a joystick and a computer screen, and that's it. It doesn't have, like, the no yoke or whatever it's called. It doesn't have like a yoke that I'm used to. Some of them do, but the, the Airbuses have a joystick. 
So what's the difference between an Airbus and an airplane? Well, Airbus is made by a company in Europe. It's just the name, the name of, of the company. And then oh, there's I Boeing see. here. It used to be McDonnell Douglas, but they're out of business. It's just Boeing. So that's a couple of years ago. She invites you into the cockpit, which is... Well, yeah, and it, it wasn't in flight. We were on the ground. Oh, I see. Yeah. And I was going to say, after 9-11, I didn't think they let anybody no, in there. Uh -uh. And, no, no, no. In the United States, we never did. When I flew for the German airline, I flew as a flight engineer in Germany. I'm licensed in Germany as a flight engineer as well. Uh, when I was over there, we used to invite people up to the cockpit. As soon as we got up to cruise and put it on autopilot, one of us would make an announcement if anybody wishes to come up to the cockpit and see they can they'd line up in the aisle and they'd come in and ask questions seriously yeah, yeah. how many people would usually do that uh, maybe eight or ten maybe up wow get the that's pretty cool that's crazy that how now it's like once that door locks that thing's locked till the end Whoa. of the flight yeah they, it's a whole different world now yeah they you'd never let anybody in the cockpit now huh. no way in hell but over there we did and how long were you a pilot? Like, once you became a pilot, right, for that company, then... then... I started out, let me think when I started. Started learning how to fly in 1965. I got my first airline job the very tail end of 67, almost into 68, before I actually got a pilot job. And then I flew until 74 with a couple of layoffs in between because the airlines up and down. What did yeah. you do in those layoffs? Did you go back to trapping? I didn't know, but I did all kinds of terrible <laughs> back to that fur sailing. I, I hired on with a, a moving company. I mean, I would do anything to make a buck, and I was out of work. And this was on Long Island, and I hired with, on with this moving company. And these guys were total idiots. I mean, how they ever said things. But anyway... Uh, I mean, we were moving a, an office to a different building, and they took all the the little uh, the the big stuff out, and then they came out with all this little stuff and put it in the in the van, and then they didn't have room for the big stuff, and it started raining, and it was just a complete disaster. So the guy who was paying for the move, the guy who was moving his office comes up to me and says, can I ask you something? I said, yeah. I said, what the hell are you doing with these people? You don't belong with them. You're different. <laughs> so I said, well, this is not really my job. I said, I fly airplanes, but I, I have to make a living. And he's like, yeah, so, it shows. So he, he, uh, he says, uh, come on down tomorrow. I got a, a guy in the next building over that needs help. And they put me in a, in a in a warehouse, and a, a toy manufacturer, and made the manager there. <laughs> they were out; of, they needed help, and I worked there for a while. Oh, nice! What toys were you making? They were making these things. They actually were made in China. They'd ship them over, and then they'd package them in uh, in this place, and, and they were little dolls and stuff like that. Huh? That's a while. So then you flew until '74. I flew till 74, and I, uh, what happened in 74, I got high blood pressure, and they couldn't get my blood pressure. 
And you were still living in Queens or, or Long Island at the I time? I was living in Long Island. I was living in a place called West Babylon. I've never been there. Have you Haven't ever you? been to New York or Long Island, Sean? Uh, no, I have not been that far, I guess, be north on the East Coast. It's, uh, Long Island is 120 miles long, about at the widest 35, 40 miles wide. It sticks out in the Atlantic Ocean and it parallels Connecticut. There's a body of water between Long Island and Connecticut called the Long Island Sound. I always hear a lot of, lot of, you know, there's a lot of actors and comedians that I listen to on the mm. podcast I listen to that, you know, they, they've been there or from there and yeah. stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of fun things. That, is that where they do the uh, hot dog eating contest? That's in Coney Island. Oh, Coney Island. Coney Island. Coney Island. Which is part of Long Island, but it's on the west end. It's in the, on the Brooklyn end. I mean, I'm just thinking about yeah. food, so yeah, that's all. Yeah, we talked about Vienna sausages, and now Vinny's hungry. Golly. Talking about smearing that liver worst or whatever it is. Braun Schlager. It's, it's Braun Schlager. Uh, so, so then, so you flew till then, so then when, so then is that the next move was you went, wanted to be a PA? No, I didn't. I couldn't even spell PA in those days. I knew okay. nothing about junk. What that, that again? So many things in life. I find you don't know they're coming. You make a decision to turn right here. It's going to change your whole life. If you didn't turn left. Yeah. Uh, I was on sick leave from America. I mean, at that time, I was flying for American Airlines, and I was out on sick leave because I couldn't pass my flight physical. I had high blood pressure. So like, they were on sick leave, but they were hoping that they could get it that down. That they could so get can... it down. So anyway, I had a boat, and I'd go out on my boat, and then I'd lay around in the sun in my backyard. My next-door neighbor peeks over the fence. I know a guy like you. <laughs> <laughs> Creeping <laughs> around, huh? <laughs> he looked over the fence, and he says, don't you have a job? I said, hell yeah, I got a job. I fly airplanes. I'm just on sick leave. He said, we really need help at the ambulance corps. You think, eh, give me something to do, sure. What's an ambulance corps? Uh, like the EMTs they have here. Drive an ambulance and pick up people. So I had no training at all. I had to go to school to become an EMT. Did you tell them you did that in the Army, too? You're like, oh, yeah, I did that in the Army. <laughs> no, they were glad to get volunteers. They just wanted a warm body. Yeah, I did that in the Army. <laughs> No, I had no medical experience at all, so I went through the... And in those days, you could start out on the ambulance. You didn't even have to be an EMT. You could be a, a, have a, an advanced first aid card. But anyway, I started with the ambulance. I drove ambulance uh, with them for a while. And I had a call. worked my way up in the ambulance. And I had a call. I had two brand new people, a man and wife team, who had never been out on a call before. And this is in Queens, in New York City. We get a call for a 16-year-old girl with vaginal bleeding. So we take the ambulance, go down there, and she was up on the second floor. Get up there, she's in her pa parents' bedroom, and she's packed with a towel. So I went over to her, got the towel out from between her legs, and there's an umbilical cord hanging out. 
Oh gosh. Oh boy. She's vaginal bleeding. She's pregnant. Yeah. She's delivering. She deli so I said, "Where's the baby? What baby?" I said, "Don't give me any bullshit. Where is the baby? That girl just gave birth, and the cord had been torn. It wasn't cut. It ripped." And finally, the, the girl's mother said, "There's something in the bathroom." I go in the bathroom, and there's a full-term baby in the toilet with its feet and its head sticking up above the water, and they're going, ooh, ooh, just grunting. I scooped the kid out, grabbed the towel, wrapped it in the towel, called down to them to bring an OB kid up, got the cord tied off, and we took the girl and the baby to the hospital. Well, because of this, the local hospital, everybody knew who I was. I mean, I You saved a baby, I yeah. I became instantly famous. Holy cow. So did Dude. she know she was pregnant and just trying to yeah. hide it, or did she just they have They claim they knew nothing. She never had sex before. She doesn't know how she got pregnant. You know, the usual, what, me? I'll be Shoot, she gave birth to the new age Jesus, huh? Yeah, could be. She's married. So, so she was claiming she didn't, but she knew. The, do the, the, the girl knew, the daughter or whatever. Yeah, they all claimed. They didn't know. The parents didn't know she was pregnant. She, and I mean, honestly, she was a perfectly normal-looking 16-year-old girl, beautiful young girl. So anyway, the, the, the point of the story is I got them to the hospital. Well, then everybody at the hospital knew me. They knew who I was. So I kept doing the ambulance thing. And one day they called me into the office at the hospital when I brought a patient in. They said, hey. We need somebody uh, as, a, as an emergency room tech at, on the night shift. Do you want to do it? And I said, hey, I'm a pilot. I don't do this for a living. <laughs> I said, I'll do, it. I'll do it just for the experience. How long have you been doing the EMT stuff at this point? Uh, eight or nine months. Maybe. Oh, okay. I was going to say, if it was two years, you can probably uh, say you're not a pilot anymore. <laughs> uh, it wasn't very long. So anyway, they hired me in the emergency room, and I started working there. And you weren't doing the EMT stuff, just doing the emergency room. No, I was doing the emergency room yeah, mostly. Yeah, I did do a little, a couple of ambulance runs, but mostly I worked in the emergency room. And uh, that's where I, you know, got kind of got interested in medicine. Yeah. So then I decided, when 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 I couldn't get my license back anymore, they, just, they couldn't get my blood pressure debt back. They gave me a medical retirement, so I had an income, I had a retirement income, and I decided. I'm going to get the hell out of New York. You don't live in New York if you don't have to. So I, I had been flying with America. I'd been flying out to Salt Lake City. I liked it. Nice little town. So, so you're about 35 at this time. I think I was that old. Yeah, 33, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I moved out to Salt Lake City, and I wasn't even looking for a job yet. The kid next door was going to go on a mission, and he needed a job for about six months before he was old enough to go on his mission. So he asked me to go out job hunting. So we went out one afternoon and saw a light job hunting. I found three jobs. He never found a job. But I, I got, got hired by Gold Cross Ambulance in Salt Lake. And they said, they promised me that they would make me a paramedic. I'd get in paramedic school if I hired on them, so I did. And that's higher than EMT? Yeah, yeah, paramedic is much higher than EMT. So anyway, 
I started with them working as an EMT and did it for a couple of months. And uh, I started growing this beard. And they called me in the office and said, Bob, got to shave your beard. You can't have a beard. I said, well, this job isn't worth me shaving my beard off. I've always wanted to have a beard. I'll keep the beard. I'll give you my two weeks. I'll see you. And I, big deal. And I went home. That night, I get a call from one of the doctors at Cottonwood Emergency Room. And he says, hey, we heard you just quit Gold Cross. I said, yeah. I said, come on down in the morning. This was at Cottonwood Hospital, Cottonwood Emergency Room. I said, come on down in the morning. You got a job. We'll I use it as an emergency room tech. So the same thing you were doing in Queens, now same you're doing thing it here. And now I was doing it here. But, but with, you got to keep a beard. So I got to keep my beard, and, I, and they said, we don't care if you have a beard, and they, they hired me. So I started working with them, and Intermountain Healthcare, who owned the hospital, sent me to nursing school. I went to nursing school. And they paid for it. They paid for it. So they, there you go. All, all my education has been paid for. I haven't paid for it. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, so they gave me the scholarship for nursing school. I went through that for a year, and I, they wanted me to keep on going for my RN. And uh, one of the doctors says to me, you don't want to be a nurse. Why don't you apply to the, the PA program at the U? And I knew nothing about it. Yeah, okay. So I threw an application in, got an interview, <laughs> and into the PA program. Now, the PA is... Physician's assistant. Physician's assistant. All right. Anyway, I, uh, that's how I got into the PA. How long did that PA program take? Uh, two years. Okay. And then after you finished your PA, then did you still work at Cottonwood? No, no, no. I had to stop working. When I went to the PA program, they wouldn't allow you to work at all. It was a full-time program. Oh, okay. Morning till late at night. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's how I got into the PA program. And how I ended up in Ridgefield is one of my classmates ran the, uh, the clinic in, in Bicknell. And he needed coverage for the clinic and it asked me to come down and cover it. And when I did that, they offered me a job at Ridgefield. And I was the, the first family practice PA in Sevier County. So... Was that your first, your big no was your first PA job? Oh, no, no. I worked up in Salt Lake City. I worked in uh, Taylorsville for a while, and I got a better paying job with uh, Kennecott. And uh, finally, I ended up at Hill Air Force Base working in their clinic. And then that's when I came down here. To came down to big no? How, how long did you stay in Bicknell? Was it just a couple days oh, at a time? Oh, yeah, it was just, well, uh, no, it was like a three-week stint to cover his leave. So for people that don't know, Bicknell's a town of like 600 people. Like, it's, it's a small little town that has a little clinic in it. Um, I deliver to that clinic actually right now. Oh, do you? Yeah, and it's got the clinic, the pharmacy, and a dentist all in, all in one building. So, yeah, it's, it's a small little... It's a small little community down there. Um, I mean, it covers the entire county, yeah. but Bicknell itself is, is, is pretty small. I, I've done some light beer, but it's just the, the ultras for me don't have as much of that, uh, what do you call it? That beer taste. 
It's beer taste, yeah. But... <laughs> yeah I like beer. No, there's a word for it. What's it called? Beer taste. What are they, what's beer made from? It's just uh, that. You don't like that hoppy, that yeah, hop taste. Not great. Yeah. yeah, and some of them are too hoppy. I mean, some of these uh, IPAs, uh, hops are way, way too much. It overwhelms the beer. I love oh, yeah. beer. Yeah. Some of them are uh, like, Samuel. they have ratings on them, you know, and they're like super. Samuel Adams. Yeah. That's like a that's a dark one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I like heavier beers. The beers over in Germany. That's because you're German. Yeah, they're they're pretty heavy over in Germany, and yeah. everywhere they have draft beer, and it's really good draft beer. When when I was a teenager over there, when I was dating my first wife, we used to go to the guest house in the little town that she lived in. It's one guest house that you go to, and we'd sit there with the other teenagers and order a beer and sit there and nurse the beer so we could watch the television. They only had one television in town. In town. House. Yeah. They had, uh, when I lived there, they only, they only had two telephones in the town. One, that's another story. When I worked over there and lived in, in this little town of Hoppenbach, uh, the only phone, there was some rich guy that had one, and then they had a phone in the post office. And that was the only phone in town, yeah. So was it considered a pay phone, or did they just let you use it? It was just it? a regular, no, well, no, they had a little, uh, I think, a little uh, timer on it, and you, they'd charge you by the zone, depending on where the call was going to. Okay. And the, the zone versus how many minutes you spoke. And then they'd give you the oh, wow. That's wild. So, it was, a, so it, it was a pay phone, basically, but they just made up their own well, time. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like you put coins right. in like regular pay. Yeah, the, the lady from the post office, the postmistress, would ride down to my place on her bicycle because I, I used to get the calls for my trips through crew scheduling from uh, Frankfurt. I lived about 100 miles south of Frankfurt in this little town of Hoppenbach. And she'd come and pound on my door for me to come up and they, they'd call back. So they would call, tell her, yeah, she'd go get you, and then you'd go up there and wait for them to call back. Call back with my flight or something. She should have just taken a message and been like a secretary. You could have given her a few, <laughs> few pesos or whatever, and just been like, here, just write it down when they call, and then just come tell me what it is. No, they had to talk to me personally. Oh, wow. Man. Interesting, man. I mean, think how primitive that is. That is very primitive. Very primitive. How far was the bike ride for her? Oh, very far. Maybe uh, a block and a half, two blocks. Did you give her any, you know, did you give her a nickel? <laughs> for doing that? I didn't have <laughs> So she's, was she ever mad that she had to come oh, do that? No, not at all. No, she was just as, in fact, her husband raised rabbits. And every once in a while, she'd come to my door and knock and she'd have a rabbit. He's got to move the mic closer to his mouth. Make up to your mouth. Oh, there you go. There you go. Sorry. Anyway, so uh, she'd yeah, bring she'd, you a rabbit. She'd bring me one of the rabbits. Yeah, her husband had these rabbits, and he, they raised them and killed them for food and for uh, uh, for the furs. Dude, I love rabbit curry. Dude, yeah. I've never had rabbit. Oh, you dude. Like curry? I like rabbit curry. Yeah, it's so I've good. Had curry, but I don't think I've ever. I've never. You know, I've been to an Indian restaurant in Salt Lake, but I've never been. We got a friend. Curry. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. 
The key to curry is the chutney that you put with it. What's chutney? Have, that's the stuff you eat along with the uh -huh. curry. Otherwise, the curry itself tastes like crap, but the, the, uh, <laughs> the chutney brings out the flavor. I had eaten a restaurant many, many, many years ago, back in the, when I was playing for Trans Caribbean, so back in the, the 60s, uh, down in Aruba. I went to a floating restaurant in Aruba, and it was a, an Asian Indian restaurant. They had uh, curry with 32 different chutneys in little bowls. So is chutney like bread? Crackers? No, 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 no. It's, uh, then it makes it. She's got, we've got a couple kinds. We've got plum chutney. We've got uh, uh, peach chutney. Oh. Spicy, the, uh, savory, on a yeah, like so We have a friend shout out to Amber. She does uh, green curry, green mm -hmm. rabbit curry. Or like, oh, dude, it's so good. I could yeah. eat. Is I it eat jack rabbit, or does she go No, get, it's like, just the same as like what Bob was talking about. Like they're raised for that. They're eating rabbits. Okay. Yeah, that they're made. No, it's like <laughs> I mean, it's sad. Like you walk outside, right. you walk out, and you got them. It's just like a pet. Yeah, just you know? twenty-two. That thing right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they all don't. Dude, the guy says he, when he walks out there to get them, they all none of them look at him because they're like. Don't look at him, you know, because he'll be like, they do. They'll turn and look away. So they're like, don't pick me. Don't pick me. Don't pick me. <laughs> <laughs> they know what's coming. They know what's about they, to happen. You know. Yeah, yeah there, there are no really decent uh, wild rabbits around here to eat. You know, back yeah. east, we have nice, big, plump cottontails. Yeah, we have cottontails rabbit. here also that opens up like a season. So it opened but up Saturday. Big. Yeah, they're not they're not huge. No, the jackrabbits get huge, but they're you wouldn't want to eat them anyways. They're nasty, yellow liver and all that stuff. No, yeah, nobody's gonna eat a coyote. Good night. Dude, somebody told me it tastes like they smell when you skin them. Right, dude. And I do okay. Like, there's some people that can't handle those kind of smells when they're skinning. And I've skinned a coyote. I've been with my brother. You know, Hesse here, and I've skinned him with him and stuff. It doesn't affect me that bad. I wish we would have been able to work on that elk this last weekend. That would have been interesting to see how I handled that. But I think it would have been all right. I think that, never... that part of it, like the fleshy part, it's only the worst, like when you got to get around the butthole and stuff, and it's like poop smelling. But like skinning it and stuff is just fleshy, blood, meat type stuff. It's like when you get to one that's been eaten, like, a, like I shot, piss pounded one with a shotgun. And it like regurgitated something that it was eating, and it was foul, dude. It was like eating some rotten carcass, and so it was like laying there, just looked like this turd thing hanging out of its mouth. And I was just like, "Oh, you could just smell it." That's when it gets pretty gnarly. Well, it's like with any animal skin; it's not bad, but if you have to gut them, yeah, that's nasty. That's yeah, you don't you don't want to get. And now that's where it kind of gets stingy, like when if it gets gut shot, you know, of course, when you're doing that. But well, let's. We don't want to keep Bob on here for too long. So, we did do. Uh, we talked about last week, uh, which is kind of just rolled out to be perfect. There's Dr. Pepper and Mr. Pib, and so I believe you guys got either. You guys are playing some flippy cup there, 
or some no, beer pong or those are the right. samples. And I think Bob asked me what flippy cup was. That's a drinking game. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, yeah. So you, so you have to it drink it and then flip the cup right. over. And so you put the cup it's like a race. And you flip it and you got to get it to stand upright. So you put it upside down, you flip it. So there's all these cups lined up on the table. So I drink mine, you drink yours, and then you hurry and try to flip it. It bounces, you grab it, you flip it back over, and as soon as it lands upright, then you can move on to the next one. And whoever makes it to the end of their row, they win. And they get way wasted by the time they get done. Or, or you do multiple people, so you do it in teams. You got five guys on one side, five guys on the other, and you all have your cups, and you put your drink in there, just like a, you know, a shot of it, just in the bottom. And you slam it, and then you flip the cup, and you're going against the guy across from you, or basically the team, and it's whoever gets to the end is, you know, that's how Where yeah. are the women? There are they, they could be on the teams oh, no. too. You're going they against them; they'll be on that side. Because I usually don't play games unless there are women involved. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm down with that too. Bob yeah, likes to go hang out at the airport, and he likes to get all. A little drinky drinky on the weekends. Oh, yeah, there. dude. And when you get going flippy cup, doing up and backs too, and then you just get white yeah, girl wasted. Flippy cup at the airport. Just put little shots at the bottom of the cup. You get teammates. You get four people on one side, four people on the other, and just go to town. Uh, I I don't think kids my age play those kinds of games. <laughs> I, just, I think your age would just be fine. Yeah. I think those guys would have a ton just, of fun. They'd be like, oh, yeah. where have you been my whole life? Like, what Where'd is this? From? And then it'll be. All right, so let's do the. Do you want to, Bob? Do you want to do the the taste test, or is Vinny doing it? Whatever you want to do. So yeah. Hesse was talking about it, and we call him Hesse, okay. and I'm Vinny. So that's how it works out to keep people knowing who's what. But he doesn't think Mr. Pibb has the same flavors because Dr. Pepper claims to have what twenty three flavors, twenty three different flavors, and, and Mr. Pibb doesn't claim to have that. So here we go. Try this one right here and see what that tastes like. Now, Vinny, do you know which one's which? Yes, sir. Okay. Oh, look at him. He's like he's like a wine connoisseur over here. Oh, yeah, dude. This is this is professional. Yeah, you got to move that mic up there. People actually drink that crap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Dude, there's – yeah. Dude, I had to go to the gas station just to find that – to find these drinks. You bought some gasoline. (laughs) That's all right. Tell me what you think. It's probably better oh, with some whiskey in there. Look at that. He's smelling it. He's swishing it. You can spit it back in if you want. They do taste different. That the, This one had a little more flavor than this one, I think. Did it? And and which flavor do you like the best? I don't like either one. I think that crap. <laughs> this one probably is a better than you. I wouldn't like that purpose. <laughs> <laughs> you have any whiskey? That's you what know, we got to put in there, some whiskey. That's what we got the Arnold Palmer's for. We got these Arnold Palmer's right here. So I want to let you know, Hesse, that he said the more flavor was in the Pib Extra. Really? Yes, It must sir. be that extra. It must be the extra, <laughs> dude. So the extra must have 24 flavors rather than the... All right, here, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. Let me see what I got. I can't believe people drink this crap. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So definitely, this one is way more sweeter. It's it's got a little more sweet a to it. More flavor That's too. the Mr. Pib extra. That's Mr. Pib extra right well, there, there, bro. You have it. it must be the extra. So if All you right. guys want to get on, check it out. Yeah. See what you go find some Pib extra and find some Dr. Pepper. Give us a little taste test. Check us yeah. out on YouTube, and let's hear some comments on that stuff. Yeah, and also, so uh, yeah, thanks for everybody hopping on, listening. Bob, thanks for coming on with us. It was super fun. We'll get you on again for sure. But for the ones listening and watching. Uh, send us some questions too if you got some questions about what we talked about. Uh, Bob knows a, a lot of, he's got a lot of information. When we could sit here all day, I'd love to, but. Uh, I mean, we didn't even well, hit half the questions. No, so if, they, if people have some questions about that, I, I know some people are from that listen are from back east, you know, and stuff like that. So it'd be cool. Uh, hit us up, email us, flappingyourgums at yahoo.com, or just comment on uh, YouTube. But Bob, thanks for coming on, man. That was that was super fun. We'll uh, we'll definitely. I look forward to getting you on again, and we can just kind of pick up where we left pick off. But that was fun. Yeah, fun thank you so too. much. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we, this is your I, first. I this is your first podcast. I didn't even know what the hell. A pod- <laughs> there you go. Well, maybe your wife can show you show you where to find it now. Yeah, dude, we're on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks again. And uh, we'll get you guys on the next one. Peace.